So hello everyone and welcome back to Edie's Susty Talk interview series where we speak to the best and brightest of the sustainability movement to gain insight and advice on the current trends and challenges facing the industry. This latest Susty Talk audio interview forms part of Edie's Circular Economy Week, our themed week of editorial content and events dedicated to supporting sustainability, energy and resource efficiency professionals in accelerating the transition to an economy free from waste and single-use plastics. So what better organisation to join us for a discussion on resource efficiency than RAP, uh, formerly known as the Waste and Resources Action Programme. You literally couldn't ask for a better organisation for this content in that sense. Uh, I'm Edie's content editor, Matt Mace, and I'm joined by RAP's Head of Technical Support and Financial Mechanisms, uh, Bettina Gilbert. So Bettina, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be here. I'm hoping that the uh, focus of this conversation can very much be around um, the kind of the policy and finance aspect of the circular economy. It's it's crucial to any part of sustainability and circular economy is no different in that sense. And we've seen a lot of investors and governments at the moment focus on net zero, for example, and there's a lot of policies and a lot of rewritten policies in that area. Um, but is there a danger that kind of the circular economy might be being ignored in terms of policy and businesses because the focus on net zero is, is so big? And is there is there a need for the realisation that actually circular economy is part of the net zero transition? Well, I think the circular economy should absolutely be viewed as part of the net zero transition. And that's because 45% of global emissions can be tackled by changing the way that we make and consume products and food. And that's really because of the embedded carbon that's in the food and the goods that we buy. And so I guess the question is, then how do we address that? And that's by using more sustainable materials like recycled content, making products last for longer through design, reuse, repair and remanufacturing and ensuring that at the end of the day, those materials stay in the system through recycling. And that's really the circular economy in action. So it's through the circular economy that we'll achieve net zero. And I want to talk about the business appetite for circular economy, because, I mean, we saw it Edie, in terms of the articles we were writing, the pictures we were getting, certainly pre-pandemic, circular economy was having a massive kind of moment, the the kind of Attenborough effect, the blue planet effect, however you want to, does it kind of, was the first domino to fall. Um, and then the pandemic happens, consumer-facing brands obviously weren't consumer-facing at that time. Um, so plastic had a bit less and circular economy had a little less focus in that sense. And now this net zero drum beats um, picked up. But in terms of RAP and the organisations that, that you're working with, do, do you still, the, the appetite for businesses to tackle waste is still there right now? And is there enough kind of support in terms of finance and willingness to tackle this right now? So I would say, so RAP works predominantly in the areas of food, plastics, textiles, and resource management. And the businesses that we're working with in those areas have absolutely demonstrated their appetite to tackle waste through participation in our voluntary agreements. And it's, these are basically collaborative agreements with the UK's largest brands and retailers. And what they do as, as members to those collaborative agreements is they commit to reducing their waste they have to baseline, they have to set improvement actions, and then they have to report to us. So they're absolutely committed to reducing that waste. They have to be to be part of the voluntary agreements. And I think if you look at kind of those voluntary agreements, we have over 300 businesses from the UK's major food retailers committed to this target measure act approach. And between 2020 and 2021 alone, they reported a 16% increase in food redistribution. 
And that's equivalent to about 253 million more meals redistributed at a time where, you know, there's been an economic crisis and we need those redistribution centers. And, and the work of the Courtauld Commitment is also then contributing as a result to the net zero agenda. So they've reduced carbon emissions from UK food and drink consumption since 2015 by 12%, and that's over 7 million tons of carbon savings. And that's from their waste prevention activities. And I think if you look at the, the UK plastics pack, so I know the, the focus here is on plastics. So we have a similar agreement in plastics. We have about 110 businesses signed up to the plastics pact that represents around 95% of the, you know, the big grocery retailers out there on the market. And I think over 60% of the plastics put at the household plastics packaging put on the market in the UK. And they've reported together an 84% reduction in those problematic and unnecessary plastics. So if we're looking, you know, at what those are, that's 620 million items like Q-tips with the plastic, you know, the plastic bit in the middle, drink straws, plastic cutlery that are no longer even on the market. So never mind, you know, being waste. They're just not on the market in the first place. And then we've also seen that 70% of household plastics are now recyclable. That's up from 66% in 2018. So to put that, kind of give you an image of that, that's things like, you know, mushroom trays, they used to be black, meat trays, they used to be black. You know, and now you'll see that those things have changed color. And the reason for that is to make sure that those products can be recycled rather than, you know, incinerated or ending up in the waste stream. So I would say the businesses that RAP work with are absolutely committed to reducing waste. Well, that's uh, great to hear, Bettina. Yeah, it's always good to hear about the kind of leading businesses that are driving action. But um, I feel like the resource efficiency agenda in particular has been kind of stifled or, or kind of shackled a little bit by um, resource efficiency policies. We are still waiting in the UK on this kind of basically conveyor belt of different frameworks that come out that, that will kind of give a lot of market certainty to a lot of organisations about how they should move. And I've spoken to a lot of businesses and it doesn't matter if it's resource efficiency or, or carbon or innovation Policy gives a certain level of security to the decisions they make. And in this economic climate, that's that's huge. So in terms of the kind of policies that we are waiting on around resource efficiency, what ones do you think are going to kind of drive the most kind of impact? Yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting question, because that's like asking me, what what is the one thing we need to do to drive the circular economy? It's not really about one thing. It's about everything working together. Right. So it's everything from the policy to the behavior change to the implementation and to the investment and really to to transform the recycling system in the UK. And that's exactly what all these policy measures will do. They are transformational. We need to improve both the quality and the quantity of materials that are being collected. And I think, you know, Wales, for example, is a really good example of this. So they have a collections blueprint and that policy is really focused around residual restrictions and the separate collection of materials and food. And that's helped them achieve a recycling rate of 65%. So this is what we're, you know, these kind of big changes are, is what we're seeing, expecting from the consistency policy. And when you start to extend that to businesses, it's going to make a massive difference in the volume and the quality of materials collected. So in England, it's 2.2 million businesses alone will be affected by these reforms. So that's a huge amount of materials. And then EPR and DRS. So DRS is really 
um, you know, going to make it a lot easier for people to recycle wherever they are. Yeah. And EPR is going to help fund all of that. So it's all of these things that are working together that is really going to drive the change. And we've spoken about um, the kind of collaborative efforts that, that the organisations that are signed up to course hold and, and, and the issues that wrapped working on as well as we work those policies up. But um, I, I want to talk about um, the, I suppose, incremental mindset of businesses. And we uh, apologies, I keep referring back to carbon, but I think it's where we've seen a, a real kind of mindset shift in terms of businesses would set those incremental steps to reduce carbon emissions and then these kind of transformative net uh, zero, net positive, zero carbon, carbon neutral, whatever the terminology is. Do, do you think we're going to see something like that, or, may, or maybe we are, and I'm just not aware, in terms of resource efficiency around businesses and, and how they can really lead in terms of their organisation and the strategies they have? Okay, so I would say, I, you know, I agree that change is needed now. We're in a climate emergency. We need to we need to move forward. And I think a leading approach for businesses and, and what ideally we want to see more of is implementing that target measure act approach. And that's because by doing this, number one, you see what's possible. You see where changes need to happen and you can prioritize what needs to happen. So um the other thing about the that kind of voluntary agreement approach, it's it works across supply chains to reduce the scope of the emissions and making sure that, you know, they're baselining and really setting those improvement targets. Your supply chains are doing that along with the retailers and the big brands and the producers. And the other thing that the voluntary agreements do is they really help to share best practice to bring more people along. So it's through this collaboration that we can really scale and drive change. And I think we can see a lot of the the bigger businesses are taking this approach in the UK, definitely. But we do have a lot of information available for smaller businesses throughout. They can be affiliate members. They can use any of our guidance and all of that. And um, I guess the other thing is that by using that kind of supply chain approach, you can really avoid unintended consequences. So by working collaboratively, you know, if you're changing, you know, a packaging, you're working with the supply chains, the people who are recycling to make sure that product is absolutely recyclable. So you want to see more of that happening. We're doing it in the UK. What we really need to do is have that scale around the globe. And so RAP is working towards that end. We're working in now think 44 countries around the globe so we'd like to see yeah exactly more of that happening no absolutely and i'm glad you uh i'm glad you use the term uh, unintended consequences as a journalist it's one of my favorite ones for reference when writing about the circuit economy because i think it shows that the the kind of the willingness and the goodwill is there but sometimes you know it can be two steps forward and and a step back so that kind of planning and and collaborative aspect is, is so important um but Bettina, I think that's about all the time we have for this circular economy themed Susty Talk. So I do want to extend a big thank you to you for, for spending some of your time today um, to talk me through this. And we'll be back with more Susty Talk interviews in due course. And for those wanting more information on our circular economy week, which is still going on, uh, most likely by the time you are listening to this, you can check out or, or indeed just catch up on if you have missed the week at ed.net forward slash circular economy week. But in the meantime, stay safe. Stay positive and keep up the susty talk.